welcome to the latest Record Celtic podcast. I'm Graeme Young, and today I'm joined by Michael Gannon and Gordon Parts. We look over the controversial Dubai trip, the positive test that followed, and the wretched one each draw with Hibs. The Celtic endured one of the darkest days in recent memory. Obviously, today we can't be joined by Chris Sutton, but I'm sure Parts can fill us in with plenty of no holds, uh, no holds bad views, so uh, supporters won't be left disappointed on the biggest issue. How are you, Pence? Michael, Michael. <laughs> well, we're all right, we're all right, Youngie. Thank you very much. Um, <coughs> lockdown, lockdown diet has started uh, officially, so we're all right. Yeah, we're good. So we're all good, uh, but Celtic certainly aren't. Uh, been the Dubai trip for the get go. The optics weren't great, guys. Uh, last Saturday, obviously, Lennon, Neil Lennon, kind of uh, bristled at suggestions that. It should happen. Things quickly went downhill. Pictures, images coming across from it. Then itself, the, the players and manager come back in a positive test. Christopher Julian, 13 players and three staff forced into isolation. Uh, and then last night's one each draw with Hibs. It's been a sorry season for Celtic. And the events of the last 48 hours have just added to that. Mick, take us through your thoughts on the trip itself. Uh, uh, the positive test and uh, the event of last night in the game and the fact that Neil Lennon and John Kennedy weren't there what, what's your thoughts? Well every every time you think Celtic have kind of maxed out on the nonsense this season they seem to take another lurch into into madness I think um, this, this Dubai trip listen the Dubai trip looked risky before they even went I think it was the week they, the week they went the situation in Scotland had changed drastically from back in November when they booked it up, um, and it's not like this is this is like hindsight and people saying, "Oh, well, we shouldn't have went to Dubai." I think at the time people were thinking this looks a bit risky in the circumstances, um, taking your your, your so called elite sports bubble out of the country to a country where it's not doing that great either with this the virus. Likewise with Scotland, in fairness, but it looked it looked risky. The pictures emerged of the kind of poolside stuff. And listen, by with that. I mean, they're allowed, they're allowed some downtime. Whether or not they were distancing properly or not, that's another issue you think. It didn't look, the optics of it, that's the kind of PR phrase, isn't it? When uses, the optics didn't look very good. Uh, it, it did, the perception was terrible. The back of an old firm game, 19 points behind, getting lots of losing an old firm game, 19 points behind, then going to Dubai, and then pitches by the pool with a beer. Looks terrible. Regardless if it's right or wrong, it looks terrible. Now, there's always this kind of worry that this, this, there's something could happen out there, and it's, um, and so it transpires, they come back, get tested and Christopher Julien posts uh, positive. Again, that's the guy's on crutches. You think, why is he Why is he even out there? I mean, he's, he can't play for four months and the club are saying that it's because he was getting his treatment and all that stuff. Well, he, he tell me there's no physios or, or masseurs or, or doctors back in Scotland. I mean, it's, it seems a bit daft to me to have him out there. And obviously as well, the fact that he's one who's in the treatment room out there deal with medical staff who will deal with all the players so that's another link up that potentially causes problems but you end up with 13 players in isolation including the management staff it's actually beyond parody now it's ridiculous I think I called it I think I called it a clown car rally last night in my new match sport from last, from last night then they come back the team's decimated um, and, they, and they draw one each again defensive frailties have been the same case all season exposed and just puts a tin hat on a, on a dreadful week and a miserable season for Celtic. It's been one thing after another. It seems that they can't do right for wrong. Everywhere they turn, they, turn, they take a wrong turn, hit a cul-de-sac. 
they've been. I think the Dubai trip reminded me of Wiley Coyote running off a cliff and waving and smiling, and you're you're shouting at them. There's no there's no more cliff left. You're only at the canyon. And sure enough, they, they crashed the bottom of the canyon this week, and it's now oh, what a mess they're in now. Um, and the season is pretty much down the drain, to be honest. Parts How's that? Of, <laughs> I think you've nailed it, mate. But parts of you, anything to add? Is there any of your own thoughts? That, you know, when you listen to Mick running through the whole chain of events and the the omni shambles that it became, it is an ever decreasing um, state of disarray and bad decision making and also arrogance and failure to accept any kind of culpability behind it when you listen to Mike run through the whole thing you realise the fault lies with the decision makers and the people not being able to read the room properly and I think there's also an element that there's a kind of hell mend them approach to go to Dubai because they thought even after especially maybe after the defeat to Rangers that it'd be an opportunity to do as they've done in previous seasons so everything was driven by the football common sense went out the window this pursuit of 10, which is now falling apart, is um, clouded judgment. And I think it's uh, it's time for Celtic to put a hand up and just confess up. That brings me on nicely uh, to the statement yesterday. I think the opinion people talk about things like the band in years and Rangers. Someone joked last night to the scoreboard that Celtic crammed it into one season. Uh, rather yeah. than, uh, but the, the one thing, yes, I think a lot... And to be fair, the, the strongest critics at Celtic right now seem people... Celtic supporters, Celtic pundit, that type. There's a feeling yesterday's statement was um, in the day in a, a terrible season for the club and the lack of understanding of the main aspect here. Now that you can talk about um, all the different parts that make up with Omni Shambles and the, the way you're Wiley and the, the, uh, the descriptions. But the fact is that Celtic taking all these players away put themselves in such a high risk of a positive test, which obviously would happen in terms of Julian. You would put yourself with so many players out of the game in terms of fight fan. You look at John Kennedy uh, railing against it on Saturday. He's making this point about, oh, we couldn't have done the work here in Scotland. Like, as if like you can't clear a bit of snow at Lennox Town. But the fact that Celtic A put themselves in such a disadvantage is they got it wrong, which they did in terms of positive test returning. And then it not have the foresight to address that in the statement. And still here we are um, hours or the, the day after. Is that the biggest surprise to you, Mick, that even by the nature of the club, they have to be strong and kind of put a, a message out there, but the lack of accountability, was that a surprise to you? In that? Well, no, no, because you've got to be sensible because if they come back and say, yeah, we made a mess of it, we, we shouldn't have went, we weren't social distancing, we made a mistake, we're sorry. What, what's the next course of action? It's like hand yourself in a police station. The SFA would... Or, um, SPFL would come down and say, right, there's punishment stitch out then because you're admitting yourself that it was wrong. So you can be, you're wide open to getting, getting sanctioned. I think, this is, I think there's, there's more to it in this case. It's not like we've... I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I'm being a bit facetious. I know what you mean. But I don't think you can ever address that again. Like You get one chance to hold your hands up. Yeah. I think... I think. I think. I mean, Gavin Strachan was asked last night, do you regret going to Dubai? He says, no, I just regret getting the COVID case. But you don't get the COVID case in those circumstances without going to Dubai because the, the argument Celtic are saying is actually happening in Scotland. Yeah, you could get a case in Scotland and they still could get more cases in Scotland, but you're not going to be on a plane for seven hours with a squad or, or a certain team buses and all that stuff going to and from training and to the airport. All the things that were, were flagged up on the on the, the contact tracing afterwards. So it, it has put unnecessary risk into a, a squad that you wouldn't have had on a normal training week at Lennox Town. So that, that doesn't stand up. So yeah, I, get, I, I take that point that 
it might have been a case of saying, right, hands up, we've, we've made a mistake here. Well, the decision when we, went, when we we opted to book it in November, the landscape was different. Even the week before they went, the landscape wasn't quite as severe as it was well or away. Because remember, well or away, the kind of lockdowns came in and, and then various restrictions came in over there. Um, so they, they could say, listen, we, we misjudged it. We, we didn't. We, we, in hindsight, we shouldn't have went. But football clubs, whether it's Celtic or anyone, very rarely hold their hands up and say, yeah, we made a pig's ear of it, do they? I mean, it's not something they tend to do. It's the kind of. Um, it's um, once they get, once they make a decision to try and stick to it as long as they can. I think they have to be careful and just leave themselves wide open to, to kind of problems. I know the SFA have said they're looking at it again now, um, so they have to tread careful a wee bit. Um, that's the point, mate. Hang on a second, though. Hang on a second. What troubles me greatly is the lack of appreciation for where we are in this country, and not just this country across the globe. How other people are living their lives, how Celtic fans, who the 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 priority to satisfy should be paramount, how these people aren't able to visit relatives, mums and dads, the whole way people are living just now to actually go and have the arrogance to try and argue their way out of this. Do you not think that's really troubling them? I do. I get. I get that. I get that. And I also get the frustration that, that, that fans who can't get to games, a lot of them. I mean, I mean, thousands upon thousands of have spent a lot of money on these virtual season tickets because they can't get to the game. Um, so I mean, they're spending a, a fortunes just to watch on the telly, and they're not getting value for money. That's for sure. Uh, so and I get that, and they're stuck in the house, and we're all we're all in the same boat. I get that, that frustration, and that and Celtic are like a lightning rod for that just now. It's, it's understandable. But likewise, I mean, by even by by playing games week in week out, football clubs are different to every way, every way of life. They are, in theory, given as something to occupy ourselves with, something to watch every week, something to discuss with each other, or pals on WhatsApp and online and all that stuff. It's it's a distraction from the the kind of continual misery that we're in, and that's why football has been given dispensation. I mean, these guys are. I say not to get too dramatic, but they're putting themselves in harm's way, I guess. I mean, they're, they're mixing Mitch, in, in environments that maybe the other people aren't mixing. Hang on, a it's, it's hang on, for the, it's hang for on, the hang on. purposes. It's in the worst possible taste. Even if Celtic were ten points clear at the top, no, I get that part. Of what I'm saying, what I'm trying to explain yeah. to you is why. Why? Break, it's by the way, let's call it what it was. It was a sunshine break. No, but performance-related nonsense. Having played the game and been away in pre-season trips and close-season trips, it's a break. Right, they went for a sunshine break. Apart maybe for maybe for you and you and your enemies for on trips. Durham, we went to Durham. Hey, <laughs> club thirty in Durham. Take your point. I take your point. I understand it, but I think you got to separate us regular muggles walking about the street and locked up and all that stuff. Take the elite sport. Elite sport is different, and it's and they are, they are providing a, a a purpose and a, a distraction for everyone. That said, I still don't agree with them going to Dubai. That's not the same thing. I'm talking about in general, the, the operation, the fact that they're, they're, they're in business still means that they're different to the um, the regular run and people because they are, they are getting tested twice a week as well. So it is slightly different. But they are they are putting on a, a show for everyone, albeit Celtic aren't putting on a very good show just now. This is a yeah. slapstick kind of comedy show. Yeah. Um, but I, I get, I said, nobody's, nobody's arguing about the Dubai trip. The Dubai trip was ill-advised. And ill-fated, um, but in general, I think we shouldn't be kicking football too much when they're, they're, they are doing their best to keep going. Um, I, I, as I say, albeit that this Dubai trip probably hasn't helped that matter either. 
So in terms of that, actually, you kind of touched upon one of my next points there, Mick. Uh, obviously, yesterday, it all happened. I kind of... A high noon kind of bit of drama yesterday. The results are said to come in at the same time. Uh, the three week um, fire break for Scottish, the lower leagues below the championship. Um, and obviously, with these type of things, conspiracy theories quickly fly. And Stenhouse Muirchin made the point that uh, the teams below the championship are martyrs for Celtic's uh, behaviour. Um, what's your thoughts on that, gents? Is that, do you think there's. Straight away, straight away, I have to say that. Um... Again, let's tell the truth. We're, the virus is spreading at such a rate that we're not allowed to leave the house unless we've got essential shopping. We can't go and visit relatives. Lower league clubs in Scotland are not economic drivers for anything. They're hand-to-mouth clubs. Amy McMenamy's got a lot to say about a lot of things, but he has to grasp the fact that lower league clubs are dead weight at the moment. They're struggling. A lot of them will be relieved to get a three-week break because they're struggling to function. Virus is just as prevalent at lower league clubs as it is within society and they are struggling to operate in any kind of bubble. Now, I'm sorry to say, but even the first, the former First Minister, Henry McLeish's conspiracy theory comments, to use words like martyrs is utter nonsense. This is an SPFL season which is in danger of drowning, sinking. Got to shut the lower decks quickly <coughs> with two top tiers which economically drive the rest of the game. It's common sense and the right decision. Conspiracy theories are not helpful. And these people, Ian is a guy who's in charge of a club that should know better, but to cry conspiracy theory is dangerous. What do you think, Mick? Do you go along with that? Hey, to an extent, I, I, surprisingly, I, 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 I do, I think. I, I can't see how football can function on a semi-pro pro, pro basis in, in the kind of short to medium term. I don't, I don't see how... I don't I don't know how they managed to get back up running again, to be perfectly honest with you, without these handouts they've been getting. Because, uh, I mean, it's, it, it's it's hard enough at the top end of the chain uh, and the bottom. I, I I don't think they should... I, I don't see the season even... I think the season's in great danger of, of, of collapsing, like Patsy said. It's it depending on the next two or three weeks now that's how this lockdown goes. Um... But I fear, I fear for the kind of lower leagues and, and non-leagues, to be honest with you, because I can't see any easy way out for it. I mean, hopefully this vaccine starts getting ramped up and that might let them get some kind of season, maybe another round of fixtures, and they play two rounds of fixtures or something to get them a, some sort of structural season. But whether or not, whether the decision that Celtic's behaviour has caused this, I, I doubt. I think it's, it's government-led. I mean, the government are absolutely flapping. I know they see they're talking about shutting takeaways and all that kind of stuff, which um, it might help my lockdown diet right enough. Um but as, as, as Patsy said, I don't think that the government really want to bother with football too much. I think football is getting in the way sometimes. I think they're getting fed up having to answer questions about football because there's there's, there's bigger issues at play here. Uh, and football seems to kind of, because it's a national obsession, seems to nudge its way onto the agenda on a kind of daily basis. Um, but Mike, I, Mike, sorry to stop you there. Were you embarrassed yesterday when you were listening to Nicholas Sturgeon talking about Celtic again? Were you embarrassed? And when you saying, should we to end of a tether and saying, why am I bothering focus? People are dying. I wasn't embarrassed, but let's take away the fact that it's football, right? Say that, say that, 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 that Glasgow Celtic run a sausage factory or something like that, or a, a pie shop, right? And they get one COVID case and 16 isolation. Is it a big deal with the pie industry get shut down? No, I wouldn't. It's one, it's one company who's had a, a COVID case uh, and uh, and guys in isolation. That happens at every company. It's happened at countless places that are still operational. Unfortunately, in the current circumstances, it's going to happen more in the next two or three weeks, probably. So, 
it's it's exponential, isn't it? It's 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 um it's it's raised to the kind of national consciousness because it is our our, our big um Scottish sporting obsession. To me, it's morally mortifying that so much time has been spent on this matter when people are getting hospitalised and worried about loved ones and not being able to, all their liberties are being restricted to a degree that we're discussing Celtics should they have, shouldn't they go into Yeah, but what it does, what, what it does for the, for it also, these kind of things does give politicians an easy win because what they do is they're under pressure about schools getting shut or lockdowns or, or mask wearing or, or vaccination rates and all that stuff. What it gives them is a chance to boot football and get a headline. That's what it does. It gives them an opportunity to, to deflect onto a different issue because football is so polarising and everyone in Scotland's got an opinion about football. It's an easy one for them. And they've done it time and time again. They're, they're, they've taken advantage of, of football and kind of um, missteps to create a political headline and it deflects away from the major issues. And I think you're right, it's, it's wrong um, because any other industry is treated differently. And, and again, at the same time, football is a handy thing for, for the government because it is a big distraction. I mean, listen, we, we, we all are obsessed with football. We watch it, we talk about it. We, we argue with our pals about it. We do. There's a million podcasts about it. It's people are um, distracted by it and, and enjoy it. Even when it's going badly, you can you can enjoy it because it's something to talk about. So if it, listen, let's not kick football about. I mean, I, I, I actually, actually ask the politicians. Let's listen, not kick football. Be let's be careful when you start picking on us because because we we are given as I say, we everyone involved in football is giving the country something to do. So I, I would I would be wary of politicians getting involved in all that stuff because they're, they're opportunists by nature and they've certainly taken opportunities to come to football. So I think that takes us nicely, Mick, for the events up until the game. But before the match itself, um, there was that feeling as well, Celtic fans digesting. I think uh, maybe a word from Andy Walker last night who, someone I've made this point, I think, before, that you, some people always preempt to, I don't normally agree with Andy Walker, uh, but quite a lot of times they seem to do agree with him. And I thought last night... Um, a guy who obviously adores the club, an ex-player, a pundit in the media. At times he's critical of the club like a lot of ex-pros often are, uh, but he really did um, get it spot on last night. That feeling of um, disillusionment between supporters and the current events and maybe, like I alluded to with the statement, that maybe things weren't answered. <laughs> that maybe brings in a greater thought, maybe off the back of um, what happened in the wake of the Ross County um, in terms of the club and the maybe between the board and the fans, now we know obviously Andy Walker uh, has got a, a key role in terms of uh, for Sky Sports. But do you think there's a an argument to be made that that kind of figurehead in the club? And I know uh, John Paul Taylor does an excellent job with the liaison, uh, the liaison officer. Uh, but do you not think that a, a kind of ex-player who understands the club at that could be a good buffer between fans and supporters but he really did understand that obviously he was very critical of the board but maybe in the future is there some role there potentially for someone like an Andy Walker who obviously got it spot on last night I don't, I don't think any of them I don't think he's a chance for a role now <laughs> I don't think <laughs> good, luck, good luck good luck with that one <laughs> so, it's important yeah. The fact that someone that really is a disconnect, I think that's the feeling out of this season and all when the the kind of the final. Yeah, uh, I take I take your point. I take your point, youngie. But it, it's listen, fans are fickle. I mean, they are. I mean, I mean, listen. Let's go back to four what four years ago now, five years ago now. The last season under under Ronnie Dyla and the, the top tier was empty and there was disillusionment and kind of I, I can almost I kind of um, uh, I kind of. 
a support that was that needed that just kind of lacked kind of enthusiasm for the club and all that stuff. It was just a bit a bit meh, really, wasn't it? I mean, then and what happens? Brendan Rodgers comes in. There's fifteen thousand folk for his arrival, and it's it's party time for for three years. It can change quite quickly. Uh, happened to get back even further. John Barnes season, and then Martin Neal comes in, same kind of reception, and it kicks off. Things are cyclical. Cyclical. They had an appalling season. I mean, but they've won. They won 11, 11, 11, 12 trophies and twelve trophies in a row uh, in the good times, and they've had an appalling season. Um, it's they just need they just need to suck up. I think this year has to be a complete write off because it's been a, it's been one thing after another. Um, and maybe some things just aren't meant to be. But I take your point. Listen, Andy Walker's a smart guy. I mean, he takes a lot of um, stick off Celtic fans because sometimes, you know what it's like with fans. Sometimes it's like they can say it, but I don't like a lot of people saying it. So if Andy Walker says it, then it's then he's been he's been mean about them. And if, if they say it, it's fine. So, but Celtic fans have been more critical about their club this year than anyone in the media. Anyone. There's nothing. There's nothing anyone can say, whether pundit, journalist, or whatever, that that Celtic fans haven't said themselves. They've been furious this year because this is this is the big this is this one season I've been singing about for years and years and years, and it's gone so spectacularly wrong. I mean, it could not have made up what has happened this year. It's been a complete farce. So they're they're far more angry than any pun that could be. Um, but I, I I know what you mean about liaisons. But the only way to get fans back on board is to win games and win trophies, uh, which I have done for for years. But this year's looking a bit harder. Just you made the one point there about uh, the, the Neil Barnes transition, then Rogers after Dial as well. Would you would you maybe concede that this season are just these are issues that maybe have been running for a long time and they're kind of coming ahead now. Do you, in terms of, it, it, there might not even be as, as big a, a sexy manager name in the summer or whatever. It might not be as easy a fix as it has been in the past. That be fair, Mick, or do you still think they can be one over? <laughs> I certainly, I certainly, excuse me. I certainly think they've got they've got big issues to deal with in the, in the summer. I mean, there's, a, there's going to be a big turnover of players. Probably the, the manager's future is still we don't know. That's um, I mean, we'll talk about a, a review in the new year. We'll have picked up one point from six in 2021. Um, so how does that factor in? Um, uh, uh, there's question marks about where the club, the structure of the club. I know there's been attempts to you know, restructure the whole way it works behind the scenes. So there's massive changes. I mean, everything's been built up to this 10 in a row. Um, but what what about beyond? What is the plan beyond 10 in a row? That's what we need to find out now because 10 in a row's gone. I mean, the league's, the league's done. Um, the Scottish Cup might not survive this season either. So that, that might be one we need to worry about later on. So they maybe need to start thinking now what is the longer term plan because at the moment it's um, they're kind of stuck aren't they they're kind of floating just now Celtic they're in the middle of nowhere they're, they're kind of it's not just the squad it's isolating the whole the whole club is isolating just now because the chances of changes before the season or do you think more likely to come in the summer well I don't think you can I don't think there's any point in changing the manager now to be honest with you Um because well listen, in an ideal world you, you, you that, if that's the fans, if that's the way they want to go, they could do it just now, and the guy settled in. But you, it, nobody's going to come in and say they want to be the guy that loses ten in a row. So you're not going to get anyone just now um, to come in at this point when you're, you're, you're 21 points behind Rangers. And it's um, unless the, the the remit says, listen, the league's gone. Now's about next year. Uh, but that's a difficult. That's a hard sell. That is a hard sell. Um, well, not and listen. It might not be the case that 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 Neil Lennon's the man that what they see taking forward next summer as well. But it's going to be a massive rebuild. So that means the recruitment department has to do an awful lot better than it's done so far this year. That's for sure. Um, 
There's huge work, huge work ahead. Take it. It's actually, I mean, pretty amazing really to go from a position of such strength and dominance to such uncertainty and in such a short period of time. It's actually quite incredible. Patsy, what's your thoughts on the, the way of the land at present? How do you see things playing out before the end of the season? Just enjoying listening to Mick, to be honest with you. Given that all things doom and, doom and gloom, I think... Uh, this is always maybe a season. Forget everything else, the backdrop of the health concerns, the virus. Celtic, if they were going to stumble in the season of seasons, then the, the, the flack that would come their way would be intolerable at times. And I think Celtic fans are feeling that, you know, disappointment. And, you know, it's a perfect storm of everything coming together. The feelings, recruitment, everything that's happened. The results not, not going their way. The fact that Rangers have been so resurgent and so... So strong. I think it's just a perfect storm. Um, Mick's right. You don't concede anything just now, um, despite the fact he thinks it's over. It's never over. Nobody worth their thought was going to come in and be the guy that takes them over the line to that failure if it's to be a failure. They've got, they've got massive problems. Um, you know, all big football clubs, they play their fans. They play their fans. The messaging is all designed to kind of cajole and convince them that they're part of a, a special operation in the Celtic family. Celtic family are far too happy, so they're going to have to be very, very careful. Um, and I don't think that this kind of dressing it up is something that it's not it's going to wash. I think there has to be bodies taken. I think that will include the manager, whether it goes to the boardroom or not. Um, who knows? But there has to be changes. There will be changes. Uh, Mick's right. Nobody could have scripted just how bad things are going for Celtic. But so many self-inflicted wounds. So it takes us on. I don't think, I think this must be a podcast first, but it's near the end of it. Actually, talk about the game itself that uh, happened. So it was a one each draw with Hibs, Celtic without 13 players, Neil Lennon at home, Armstrong Okaflex tuning in for the AirPods, getting instructed. It was a bizarre night and a bizarre season. Mick, what was your thoughts on the game? <clears throat> what was the negatives? There's a we've learned about the Celtic team um, that hasn't been there already. What, what did you take for the game last night? Well, uh, it was a strange night. I mean, I think I think as soon as you hear that Celtic have got, have got, have got thirteen players out and there's a lot of big names as well, I must admit the fact that it was Hibs Celtic were playing, I thought I might go and put, throw some money at Celtic tonight because this is a lot of pressure on Hibs now to go and get a result. Uh, I mean, Celtic scored. I actually thought that it was, that's that's the way I thought it was going to happen, despite the, the, the lineup. Um, I thought it means Celtic. The one thing Celtic can hang on to just now and cling on to just now is. I think is David Turnbull. I think in David Turnbull they have got the next big thing in Scottish football. I think he is going to be a proper star. Um, this, is not, this is not a new revelation, guys. Like, like Patsy and myself, I've watched him at Mullow for years. I've been reading about him. Um, he's a proper player. And he's now, and you can see him now comfortable in that jersey. And he's going to be, uh, 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 well, no matter who's in charge or if it's Neil Lennon or whoever is in charge, build your team around him next year. That's He's got to be the first name in the team sheet. Build your team around about him because he is a proper football player who is, and it's like going to be a case of enjoying well at last because he is, he is destined to go to, right to the top, this kid. Um, so yeah, that's the one thing that I think Celtic fans can cling on to just now that's a big positive. But the rest of the performance was, was okay. It started badly. Getting used to new, obviously new players and a lot of changes. Have started really well. Um, so they had a good spell then Hibs came back into the end and um, Celtic, Celtic scored and I thought that was it over but then again defensive frailty that Celtic is. again the goal was uh, somebody sitting next to me it was one of the scouting guys sitting across from us 
I said, oh, I missed that. What happened there? And I said, see every goal you've seen Celtic losing this season? It was like that. <laughs> it was exactly the same. A ball, a, a, a free kick out of the box, not dealt with the first ball, not dealt with the second ball. Uh, slow reactions, poor clearances, back of the net. It was just deja vu all over again uh, at the back. Um, so that's something that's just a continual problem. It seems to be at Celtic. It's now um, a defensive frailty from set pieces and cross balls. Um, so yeah, Hibs deserved their point. I thought they'd put enough into the game um, to, to to deserve it. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a kind of t- another, another nail on in the, in the coffin of the season. I mean, the gap was the gap was twenty two points before the game. It's twenty one points now. Even if they win the game, it was still going to be. I still think they're needing snookers even to be remotely competitive this season. Um, they can't. They just can't get enough points now, even by winning all the games remaining. Um, so it was a, a weird, a weird night and a, and a weird season for Celtic. Patsy, I have to say that it illustrated yet again that the strength and depth of the recruitment at Celtic is beyond open to question. You look at um, Connor Hazard and Goal. I mean, you come out and flaps at that to the death. It's hopeless. Shane Duffy again clears the ball like an old man straight to Nisbet to finish. Poor player, poor player. You look at guys, young boys like Cameron Harper, well out his depth, didn't look anywhere close to being Celtic class, even as a young kid, looked poor. Mikey Johnson hasn't progressed, looks like a wee boy getting shoved off the ball, hasn't progressed, poor. You look at Oxo Flex coming in, never Celtic class, poor. I think Mick's been generous. I thought that the performance with the exception of Turnbull, really poor. Um, for Celtic standards, whoever's recruiting these these guys needs to have a real look at whether he's good enough and whether his eyes good enough because his talent is not there and there's continual um, talent getting blamed at guys like Duffy who is a poor defender. One thing that's kind of my gears part of the, uh, so what the fact that's lacks out right, in recent weeks uh, the Greg Taylor I think Greg Taylor had the difficulty of falling for Kieran Tierney which we've spoke about in the past the difference in levels of performance between Greg Taylor's playing Lactal's recent performance, his crossings it's been so poor, especially the last two games, it's been it's been noted that way. But do you think that maybe shows as well the fact that Laxal was one of many left back options in the summer? There was Desiglio at Juventus, there was um uh, Barker at PSG, all these big players that uh, players at big clubs that were on the list and they've ended up pumping for uh, Laxal and it just shows that this guy wasn't identified maybe straight away and he, he starts to come. <laughs> Can I say that Lax a massive improvement on Greg Taylor? Greg Taylor's running, running the milk on Marnet level. How do you get a move to Celtic with the inability on the ball that he's got? I don't, I don't, I don't agree, Patsy. I don't agree. this to go one-on-one. Celtic players are with their full banks as effective wing backs, right? So you have to have a determination and ability to go and take on the fullback. He can't do it. He doesn't have a ton of pace, and he delivers poor. Laxalt's a more accomplished player. He's better on the on the ball. Um, if you're using Greg Taylor as an example of the declining standards at Celtic, then he's probably perfect because how an air somebody went and watched him at Kilmarnock and thought it'd be good enough to play for Celtic's beyond me. Mike, you seem to disagree there. Do you? I do. I do. I, I think. Um, Mike, I think Mike, Taylor's Mike. a good, a good player. I think he's a good player. I don't think 
Celtic's approach is to isolate the fullback, and whether it's the winger coming inside to allow the fullback to drive and go one on one and deliver, when you've got a player at left back whose first thought is to pass the ball safe backwards, how can that be an improvement? I'm, I'm not, not an improvement on Kieran Tierney, but not, who, who, who would be? Um, but I just think, I mean, Laxalt has got pedigree. I mean, he's an AC Milan player, 60 million quid or something cost him or something like that. He's played in Serie A for years. Good little player, but he's, he, to, be, to be honest with you, I think he has been, I think he's suffered in the environment because he came in and he played in every one of those games. That, that two wins and, was it two wins and 13 games run they went? He played in every one of those games. I mean, out of the team, and Greg Taylor played when Celtic won those those kind of six games in the bounce. And he's back in the team and they've, and they've lost another couple or, or, or failed to win another couple. So his record is, I think he's played about 20 games, Diego Laxell, and I think he's won about, about five of them. I mean, it's it's. I don't think that you'd be hard pushed to find a Celtic player with a worse record in terms of wins in his career. Honestly, it's it's incredible. I don't think it's all his fault, but I think the, the environment is kind of like right. Brain, I think the the life of I thought he was. I thought he was appalling last night. Diego Laxell. I thought he was terrible right. last night. But um, we he a different level for Greg Taylor, who's got no authority in his game. And you watch him, look, he tries to get through games. You can see it. You can see a classic example of a guy who knows probably that he's in the wrong movie and he's out of his depth and he's trying to get through games. There is nothing that I'll see that's uh, going to lift him to a new level. Laxal, just as, as you say, he's got pedigree. He's got an ability on the ball, which is far, far beyond anything that Greg can produce. Yeah, I think there is a player in Laxalt, but I just think I think he's been I think he's been he's sucked into the the, the misery blender that is Celtic Park this season. Um, I think he arrived at the wrong time, and it's just um, he's been dra- it's drained the life at him because I thought last night he, he looked he looked a bit lost, yep. and he has he, he has been been poor of late. Right, um, Mick, I've just rhymed off a host of names, there, and we're talking about recruitment, and not one player's come in and enhanced the team. No, this, is the, this is the problem. This is the problem. The, 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 the signs haven't been good enough. A lot of money spent on guys that, that aren't. I mean, well, David Turnbull was spent is one person that has improved the team. Um, but apart from him, uh, I mean, the summer signs. I mean, Albin Yeti, who knows, still doesn't look fit. I mean, it looks like a very expensive Nadir uh, Chiefche to me. Um, Barkas, five million quid for a goalie who's not made a save this season. Listen, you maybe maybe give him time, but how long do you give him? Um, and the rest, I don't know. Um, not been great. You're right, Mike. See if your job at Celtic was to go and recruit and identify talent. Would you walk away from your job, given the fact that this has been a season beyond uh, anything the worst, the worst case scenario? No, because you know yourself, partly that the <laughs> recruitment guys are are the game's great pretenders these days, aren't they? They, they identify talent and all their stats and their spreadsheets and their, their Y scouts and all that stuff and they, they pick all these targets. But once they pass on to their manager, it's not their responsibility, do you know what I mean? <laughs> it is, it's no longer, their, no longer their problem. So recruitment guys are hard to pin down, aren't they? In terms of um, output. Um, it's, um, they always <laughs> a lot of them can talk a good game, uh, recruitment guys. Um, but listen... <laughs> Yeah, then you look at the um, like Sorrow in the middle of the park. He looks like a player. Um, so that, uh, too many misses. You're right. There's too many misses, and next summer's going to be absolutely crucial. So that 
if Celtic fans are still with us and the happy soon that we're on here, we've got uh, more good news coming to finish off of the day. Uh, Livingston up next, and it's a double header the way the fixtures work. Filling the game that was one of the games that uh, cancelled earlier on in the season. So it's at Celtic Park on Saturday before uh, they head to the Tony Macaroni next week. And what a word for David Martindale's team. Parts of their just look like the period can't be stopped. Uh, it's going to be really difficult for Celtic to. Uh, get back in the, the win column with that one, isn't it? It's going to be a, a tough game. Can you think of a more problematic scenario for a Celtic team that's bereft of confidence going against a side that give you nothing, that fight for everything, that show exactly what team ethic in football is all about? Organisation. That uh, desire to work together and make life as, as uncomfortable, but more than that, they can, they can play, they can pose a threat, they're scoring goals. Um, David Martindale... The first to admit that he's a guy that's still learning, but he's learning quickly. And the way Livingston are going this season is bringing the rest of the league into disrepute, I think. The budget that they've got and the way they punch above their weight, I think if I'm a Celtic fan and I've got Livingston coming, it is, could be the perfect storm hasn't arrived yet. This could be the Irish storm. So, what's your next? It's going to be a tough game, isn't it? Especially the Oh, I mean, Livingston, I mean, I mean, 11 wins out of 12 they've got. I mean, it's an incredible record I've got just now. I mean, it's it's phenomenal, and and Livingston are Celtic's worst nightmare right now. I mean, if you're talking about things that Celtic struggle with, balls into the box, set pieces. I mean, physicality. I mean, Livingston are Celtic's worst nightmare. This double header is 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 could be traumatic for Celtic in the current form. Um, he wouldn't even put money on them, that's for sure, against Livingston. I mean, you, think, you just think at some point this run has to come to an end. Um, it's a tough old game for them. Celtic play at their best. And, but then again, Celtic are going to be still missing 13 players, including Odson Edward, Lee Griffiths, Ryan Christie, Scott Brown, Chris Ayer. I mean, big players like, that are missing. See what you're saying there? Uh, there's, a, yeah. there's, a, there's an argument to be made that Livingston going to the game is favourites. Well, I was going to say, Parsi, do, you know, do you know how far Celtic have fallen this season? But hang on. There's genuinely six or seven players in that Celtic team that played last night. We still got to get a game for Livingston. Well, I mean, I don't know about that, right? But well, well, listen, who would the uh, Shane Shane Duffy get a game? Would the goalkeeper get a game? Hazard. Would the young boy Harper get a game? Nowhere near it. Mikey Johnson would struggle at the minute. A wee boy getting getting blown like a paper bag down a the street. There's so many players at Celtic at the moment um, would struggle to get into that Livingston team. It's a fact. Well, I'm a, well, I, well, I don't know how Scott Robinson didn't get Player of the Month for December. I don't know who I don't know who our colleagues were voting for for the, the Player of the Month. Um, I thought he was he's been outstanding in there. Um, but yeah, you're right. But I think, do you know what? How do you know? It just shows you how far Celtic have gone this year and how far they've fallen. That that nobody would be surprised if Livingston get a result against Celtic at the moment. It wouldn't really shock anyone um, because they're looking at it and thinking this looks, looks like a nightmare for Celtic. But they need, they need something to try and get this seat to get at least some sort of signs of optimism at, at Parkhead. But it's going to be tough. It's a tough old game. And it's a team that, that is back to being a, a, a kind of fierce prospect. Um, home or away now as well. So they're getting themselves away from home. I was, at, I was at a game on Sunday and you've got Effie Ambrose at the back with Big Guthrie. They look solid. They've got Nicky Devlin as a left back. They've got consistency. Um, they've got Pittman in the middle of the park. They've got guys like, uh, you know, you, you mentioned Robinson, just tying... Terrific. Terrific. Scored, scored again the other night, didn't he? Double given that kind of creative touch. See, when you're talking about guys, a back line of Celtic that's got Duffy and Welsh, 
Give me Guthrie and Ambrose every day of the week. Aye. <laughs> big F, big Mac, big Effie. <laughs> the campaign starts here, big Mac Michael, Effie. Michael. He's all about, he's about, he must be, he must be your age, Parsi. <laughs> he's on. He's on, He's one of the first up to get his jags. <laughs> Just behind you. <laughs> so, so I think that'll do us for this week, gents. I do appreciate it. So just the usual folks, you can follow us in the usual places, subscribe and rate us there as well. Thanks very much, take care.